Good morning, Patreons. Good afternoon, Nick. Oh, yeah, it's the afternoon, isn't it? Good afternoon, Patreons. Good morning, Patreons. Ah, shit, it's the morning somewhere, isn't it? Good time, it's Patreons. It's five o'clock somewhere. Blug, 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 blug. We did literally just go to the pub, though, so I mean... It's tradition. It is tradition. Yeah, I will give it it's that. It's tradition to go to the pub before we have a bonus episode. You don't sound drunk enough. I need to... <laughs> we do live in Australia, so if we didn't go to the pub, it would be rejecting our country's heritage, wouldn't it? B-E-E. No, coffee. <laughs> so, today, Liam, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. How excited are you? I am a rock side. No, no, okay, all right. I tried and I, I completely Solid failed. Solid as a rock. <laughs> so today, Liam, we're going to be talking about the illustrious and enigmatic human being, supposedly Araki. Hirohiko Araki, author of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, manga artist extraordinaire. I mean, extraordinaire is a bit much, but yeah. I would say extraordinaire. All right, okay. Well, I'm not you, so. Author of the only manga worth reading, JoJo's oh. Bizarre Adventure. Oh, boy. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your best friends. And I'm Nick Ballantyne. They already know who we are, don't they? I'm Nick Ballantyne, your nemesis. <laughs> I'm Nick Ballantyne, your worst nightmare. Pulls out Katana, pulls on Fedora. Hey. So we wanted to talk about some of the interviews Araki has given. Because well, I, okay, the story goes, I wanted to do an episode on Rohan Kishibe. <laughs> because you <laughs> were saying there's a whole bunch of spin-offs. Yeah, but I want to do those in the core pod when we get up to... Like, there's some I want to do before part five. There's some others that may come out or may not. In uh, the, we would do in in the weird in the middle season. <laughs> yeah, well, we wait for the actual thing to finish so we can be like, right, now we have a yeah. complete story. Uh, I feel like those are fiction within the world of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. So if slash when we do them, we should do yeah. them in the main pod. But what I suggested as an alternative was to, to look at some interviews that Araki has given. Because that's not in the fiction, unless somehow he is, in which case I am terrified of who he is. <laughs> uh, so what I did was I trawled the interviews page on the uh, Jojo wiki. A lot of them in Japanese. But, um, well, enough have been translated that this interview document I have here has 57 pages and around 27,000 words. <laughs> Are we even going to get through all of it? Certainly not. We'll, okay, we'll, fantastic. If this goes well, uh, which I hope it will, we'll do another one of these sometime. Which, okay. At, you know, at least another one of these. Hell um, yeah. So what I've done today is I've shortlisted a few that I found particularly interesting, but I haven't just used up all the good ones right at the top. Okay. Which put in order of, of how they've interested me. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I've also got the rest in there in chronological order to turn to if we in the, in, in the increasingly as I went unlikely event that uh, that we, we needed more time yeah and I've also redacted spoilers when necessary oh the spot yeah okay that's fair also I need to give a shout out to Pokemon Tom 09 or aka Pomomom Tom 09 if you recall <laughs> aka ruminations who didn't get the notification when the post for the poll first came up but he's glad it came up so he could get to the poll in a nick of time. I don't get it. Because my name's Nitch. Oh, Nitchell. Yeah, Nitchell. If it's not Nitchells, get back in the truck. Beef and Dairy Network, check it out. Yeah. However, the key thing here is that he said to discuss anything other than the ever eccentric Iraqi would be an injustice. Which I feel perfectly sums up my thoughts on the poll this time around. So our other options were Dragon Ball. And Okie Doke. Which Nick put in against my will <laughs> and much to my anger when he told me it was in the lead. <laughs> 
for a brief moment, it was definitely in the lead. I would have been very, very angry with you, Nick, uh-huh. and with you, the voters. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't it have just been the best episode? No. Like, can you imagine us talking about a claymation from the early 90s, late 90s, something like that? No content. An incredible amount of content. <laughs> Who is this enigmatic okie doke? Is it Iraqi? No He's some knows. sort of tree golem. <laughs> a tree golem? You've seen him. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, we're not talking about okie doke, Liam. Yes. Um, d- <laughs> you make fun of me for putting that in the thing. And then you're going to Google it and I'm going to be like, oh, no. So shall we get into our first interview? Yes. Oh, my God. Iraqi. Yes. So I picked one nice, short and sweet that I thought you would enjoy to start us off. Okay. I need to preface this entire episode with how many Arachisms are we going to get? I think there's a few in there. What I've done is I've, for my short list today, I've picked a few that talk about his personal life, a few that talk about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, and one super special one, the only interview featuring a person who isn't Hirohika Araki, who we'll get to. If we have time. <laughs> okay. So that makes no sense. But you'll okay. see. You'll see. You'll all see. It's Eric. He called me mad. Mad. Is it Eric's wife? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is it actually? Yeah. You got his one. He has a wife? Oh my god! You're peaking like nobody's oh business. Oh my god! What is what is even happening? Okay. Anyway, yes. Jealous. A little. He has a top-running manga and a wife. (laughs) This is an interview with Araki on his choices for the 80s Western Music Hits Parade on MTV Japan. Wait, what? That's what it says, for the 80s Western Music Hits Parade, which I presume would be... Like an awards An MTV Japan event about Western music. Okay, sure. From the 80s. So he got to pick some stuff. Presumably. Okay, sure. According to the JoJo Wiki, this was uh, translated by Twitter user uh, Machalion, Machalion. Machalion. Yep, and it's from 2017. So I've started as quite recent. Okay. So first of all, just run down his hits. Let's see how many of them off the, off the top of our heads were also in that list of music that uh, we read out in his author's note t- when we recorded the episode today for um, Highway Star Part 2. Oh, the ones that made you cry. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Of course, those were albums and these are songs, but whatever. They'll, they'll be there. There'll be some overlap. Guns and Roses. Welcome. Welcome to the jungle. Was not on the list. <laughs> ZZ Top. Legs. Good song. Good song. Dire Straits. Money for nothing. I Catchy. Oh. A little bit homophobic these days, though. Oh, okay. Contains certain words that I would not use in polite company. Oh, okay. All right. I do like Dire Straits in general, though. Your latest trick is uh, sad and sweet. I haven't looked at any Dire Straits, okay. so... Uh... Michael Jackson. Thriller. Yeah, that's a pretty good song. That's uh, that's right up there. UB40. Red Red Wine. Isn't UB40, that weird Japanese uh, no, group. That's um, that's that song that goes red, red one. Okay. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it when you turn my voice about. Please explain. <laughs> a parody of a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> one day we'll just have to do an entire Paul. The Australia or the Australia episode. The Australia episode. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, Bruce Springsteen, the boss. <laughs> Dancing in the Dark. Dancing in the Dark? Yep. Of all the Bruce Springsteen things? Yep. Okay, all right. Of course, Bruce Springsteen was the uh, first woman in space and she saw the Earth without borders (laughs) and wanted to... (laughs) Oh, Liam. We can't keep doing Metal Gear episodes. I will never stop. Okay. You too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Well, then look harder. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, that's the name of the song. I thought you were just saying... Oh, okay, gotcha. Nick, I haven't found it. When you turn my voice about... (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I'm sure no one's going to know what I'm doing. Three people will be like, pulling pants down. That's not a real... So there's a... Shall shall I explain? (laughs) Sure, why not? There is a... um, A parody song. um, Which is a song that's parodying a very right-wing, horrifically racist politician in Australia called Pauline Hanson. And I believe it's a drag act, which is Pauline Pants Down. Yes. And the song goes like, I don't like it, which I think incorporates a bit of a soundbite from her. Yeah. The entire song is her saying things, but then just like cut into things that they want them to say. Yeah, yeah. So I know that very famously, the reason why the song was made was that she was like, I don't like it when people come into this country. And you're yeah, like, yeah. what? What is wrong with you, Pauline? My shopping trolley murdered. Yeah. <laughs> and so on. <laughs> it's worth a YouTube. Oh, it's good I don't shit. know if you'll get it in a, as an international audience member, but it's worth a YouTube. It's very good. <laughs> Donald Fagan, New Frontier. Never heard of no, it. No, nor I. <laughs> The Style Council. Shout to the top. Ooh, good choice. Never heard of it. Sade, Smooth Operator. Now that is a good choice. That's a hit of the 80s if ever I've heard one. Yeah, no, she... Prince, When Doves Cry. Nice, nice. David Lee Roth, California Girls. Intriguing. So then there's just a couple of paragraphs of uh, discussion on these. I'll quickly blitz through that if you want. Okay, here we go. The 80s were an exciting period for a mangaka too. Why do you always read Araki's stuff this way? (laughs) I think it speaks to his voice and his childlike (laughs) wonder. Yeah, fair, fair. The stories that were coming out were gradually becoming stronger and deeper. Mm. This feeling that was floating around at the time could be perceived in both manga and music, I think. From Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses, I really liked that. While it's an overly long song, it contains a lot of different ideas. That's how I kind of feel about a lot of Bonnie Tyler's hits. Like, I really like Total Eclipse of the Heart, When You're yeah, the Hero, etc. Et et but they both just go for about three minutes too long. Yeah. I know that Total Eclipse of the Heart is like... I mean, that's a certified banger, don't get me wrong. But it's just like, get on with it. <laughs> just get on with it, man. How the riff vertically enters the song When Doves Cry by Prince, and how the melody feels like rain sticking to the ground, gives me a nice solid effect... Gives, gives me a really nice effect of solid and sexy. I have so many questions about all the words he just used to describe music. That's what music is like. Solid and sexy. No, but when the riff vertically enters? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Maybe he means ascending or I don't know. Uh, Okay. I think the sound effects in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure came from my desire to incorporate the strange voice that comes out from this song in a manga. Ah. When doves cry. When doves cry. Quite influential on Jojo's Bizarre (laughs) Adventure, apparently. There you go. Maybe that's why everyone has that... uh, that beautiful Prince look to them. Because Prince, you know, he's got the pose. Mm. He's got the hair. He's got the face. He's got the look. He's but got does the- he have the touch? <laughs> you don't impress me much. <laughs> <laughs> For a long time I convinced... Is that Shania Twain? Uh, uh, confused? Is that- uh, don't know. I think that's Shania Twain. I, conf- I confused her with that song with her pulling pants down one for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> Just the idea that you could confuse Pauline Pants Down with anyone else. Well, that song's like, that similar sort of speak singing. I guess. But it's very different, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. But I was a kid and I was dumb. True. Weren't we all? For David Lee Roth's California Girls, I adored the excitement and happy feeling it gave me. If you link the music and images it reflects, ZZ Top's legs reminded me of something like the pin-up girl style. Mm. Quite in these days, particularly among like the burlesque circles, which yeah. I have a lot of friends in. Yeah, no, definitely. Also, legs. We all got them, except for those of us who don't. I mean, the pin-up style is just the beginning. <laughs> I consider these songs similar to an oil painting. Araki, explain. (laughs) Okay, he continues. (laughs) 
<laughs> I especially consider the way Norman Rockwell used to dr- used to draw them to be quite erotic. Norman pa- uh, Norman paintings, <laughs> oil paintings. Uh, Araki, please explain more. His art used to appear in calendars, but it's popular now too. (laughs) How is calendar art not popular art? I think it would be nice to listen to these songs while watching those calendars. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is already everything I wanted it to be and so much more. Sometimes sometimes reading things Araki said, and obviously there's a translation barrier here. Yeah. Sometimes it it reminds me of the um the question of whether or not Mikataka is an alien. <laughs> Just do you think maybe Araki when he when he speaks, right, it's very obvious that he's very enthusiastic about everything he does, which mm. is wonderful. But like he just takes these moments from his life and he's like you know, I wonder if other people do this. I'm sure they do. And everyone around him probably just goes, no, no one has ever done this. <laughs> do you think he goes, oh, this explains why I'm so good. Because <laughs> I'm weird. <laughs> but he's so good. And this is a 2006 interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it concerns the release of the Phantom Blood PS2 game, but it also covers Jojo's Bizarre Adventure in general. There's also a summary of each of the parts in there uh, that were active, active at the time, but I've redacted the ones we aren't up to oh, yet. Okay. So, wait, what was the Phantom Blood game? A very bad PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like, it was a game. I'm not saying what in case anyone dares no, say No, you know, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood? Yeah, it yeah. A, it was but- a game adapting that. Wait, it was just called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood? I believe so. Come on, guys, make a title better. (laughs) (laughs) Like All-Star Battle or Eyes of Heaven. Yeah, original. (laughs) So there's a series of prompts and then he he answers each of them. Okay. Like an interview? Yeah. I like how the first thing we did wasn't even an interview when the entire point of this is to get interviewed. <laughs> it's media that he's given, you know? Yeah, that's true. Some of them, I don't know if it's one of the ones we'll get to today, but um, one of them is also just like a, it's a tra- It's not a transcript, but it's a recap of a lecture he gave. Um, he gave a lecture? Yeah, at um, university, Tokai University yeah, or something. Yeah. It's not a transcript in, in so much as it's just basically someone ha- having written a recap of having attended it. Cool. I'm keen. Your thoughts about your 20th anniversary, sorry, 25th anniversary as an author. Oh. I think that it was a very quick 25 years. But when I look back at my work, it's kind of like the stuff around the Phantom Blood era is the work of someone else. (laughs) Yeah, that's honestly what I feel. So when I read it, I can kind of read it objectively. I can read it as though I was a fan. (laughs) Okay. 2006, that would have been... During part seven's publication, I believe. Jesus that's that's quite a, ju- a, a jump. Yeah, you know? no, that is. Also, I think he hasn't introduced stands in part one. No, part no of course two, not. So it's like, it really is quite different. Now, um, I believe our friend uh, Georgie gave you sort of the core concept of part seven at one point, didn't she? Um, I've forgotten it. Okay. I, I mean, I would love to recap part seven on air. But I've forgotten it. Well, in, also, I don't even know if she told me. In many ways, it's kind of a spiritual um, reimagining of part one. Right. Weird. I mean, in terms of events and actual characters, it's entirely different. <laughs> but uh, just in, ter- in, in certain like elements. Like a certain storytelling kind of method is like, these are very clear parallels to what happened back then. Almost. But it also very deliberately plays off your expectations of what you think those parallels would be. Ah. So I think given the time this was released, that's an interesting way to reflect on the first part was that her favorite part for a while probably still yes yeah because i know that she was like it's my favorite it's so good and i was like a lot of people like it a lot yeah we'll get there one day right (laughs) right if the anime keeps getting made oh god do you read back on your old work 
Not very much. But if there's a game or something released, like now, I'll read back and think, oh, so I was writing this kind of stuff. <laughs> just the idea of him reading his old work and just being like, oh. Oh, this is pretty weird. You know, I mean, I never would have thought of this Fighting today. ribs. Fighting ribs. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> AKA foul flesh. That was something else. <laughs> remember, remember all of Santana's oh, special techniques? Oh, I remember. <laughs> Once the stands started coming out, I often forget about some characters. Someone will mention a guy and I'll be like, who was that again? And I'll read back and say, oh yeah, there was that guy. <laughs> kind of like that. Darina's no more than me. <laughs> you know what? I have heard, look, we're going to sidetrack almost all of these interviews. <laughs> I have heard that a lot of creators when they're writing their works, they'll often be like, yeah, I've made a consistent world. And then like the fans will be like, did you forget about this thing that you wrote in? They're mm. like, oh, oh yeah, I did forget that. Oh shit. I must have been too caught up in making new material. Well, that's, that's kind of similar like, to how I feel as a podcaster sometimes. Mm. Uh, when we're lucky enough to get fan interaction from our, from our Twitter account, someone will make a, a, a not entirely explicit reference to a joke we had made during an episode or something. And I'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because <laughs> it just kind of goes out of the head as it comes out of the mouth because yeah, you're really moving does. on to the next thing. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, anytime we make stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, we won't listen to this. Mm. Like, well, of course, you know, I do the bulk of the editing, so yeah. I usually listen to back to something at least once. So I feel like that adds my recall a bit more than it may you sometimes. Yeah, but. I just sit there being like, <laughs> but I said it. Why would I listen to it ever again? Mm. The idea of I never go back and check my old work is like pretty standard stuff. Like I've never looked at an old uni assignment for good reason. <laughs> But, you know, it's one of those things where you do it and then you're like, I'm done. I'm done with that shit. It's fine. Hashtag relatable. Next year will be the 20th anniversary of Jojo. That's not a question. <laughs> not a question. <laughs> well, they let me debut on the New Year's of 82, but that still felt a bit vague to me. I couldn't really imagine myself as a manga artist. It wasn't clear on what kind of manga artist I was going to be. It was like I was just incidentally awarded the Tezuka Award. Which is a uh, big manga award. Is it? It is. Ah. In fact, in the manga Bakuman. Facts with Nick. Yeah, in uh, the manga Bakuman, they uh, they go for the Tezuka Award as part of, you know, their manga ways. Sure. I don't think they win, but... <laughs> but that's part of the story, you know. Yeah, it's sort like of how like... how Ash never wins the Pokemon League. Yeah, it's quite a... Um, it's not... I don't know if how prestigious it is, but it's quite a big award where they're like, we'll drive you in, we'll give you some food, we'll award some awards, it'll be a good time. And it's like all the manga artists meet there sometimes, and it's, you know, it's a good time. Mm, cool. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I awarded the Tezuka Award. It wasn't like I was really aiming to win it. So that was kind of when I began training. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So he won an award. No, no. He, it was like he won the award. Oh, it was to, like he won Getting the award. Okay. to debut in the New Year's edition. Yeah. So it was like he won an award. He didn't win the award. <laughs> but it was when he began training. But, it, but then he began training. He started drawing his manga in a weighted gi. <laughs> and when I look at the other jump artists' manga, they all had their own distinct styles. So the period when I was thinking about what style and what kind of manga I should draw was right before Jojo. I sort of feel that I finally became a pro with Jojo. Mm. It was like everything opened up in front of my eyes. I would agree if I knew what he did before Jojo. <laughs> we may touch on some of these uh, later in this episode, but he's got some other previous works like uh, Bow and uh, Cool Shock BT. Okay. That one that teaches kids how to capture deadly stinking wasps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and use them for pranks. Ooh, that's a dangerous twist. And Gorgeous Irene. Gorgeous which we've talked Irene. about before because in part two, there was like a bar or something named that. I see. Or named Irene's or something. You know how I said I couldn't remember... Anything? Anything. 
You got hit on the head by a coconut. I think I got hit <laughs> on the head by a gorgeous Irene, and uh. now I don't know what that is. <laughs> How was Jojo born? Ooh. Well, when a dad, also named Jojo, loves a mum very much. A Rocky? What? Oh, you're not reading no. it now. I liked movies, and at the time, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger were popular. Were they just? They're both muscular characters, and their bodies are covered in muscle. Are they just? <laughs> Which made me think to myself, I wonder who the strongest person in the world is. <laughs> so hang on. The entire premise of JoJo's being born was... There are these two big ass buff dudes. Who's the world's strongest? <laughs> it's Goku. <sighs> this question was basically the beginning of the idea of Jojo. Themes such as immortality, seeking life, justice, and things that humans innately seek spawned from this and eventually led to the creation of part one. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. So basically, stuff to do with um, immortality and super, super macho guys and how strong they can get. <laughs> that was what I was pursuing. <laughs> And boy, did he get there. <laughs> they were super macho. And they, well, one of them got immortal. So. Yeah. Also, I had gone on a trip to Italy about two years before that. And you may already know, but the art in Italy kind of strives for human beauty. Mm. When I saw the original artworks, it made me want to do the same. The whole thing was he wanted to make beautiful things because he'd just gone to Italy. Mm. Well, we talked about that a lot in our early episodes, how like the musculature and physicality of a lot of the characters design uh, was one of the elements of inspiration was like, you know. Yeah, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, but the North Star. But also like um, Greek or Roman sculpture. Mm. Where it's like all the poses that they do are just accentuating all their features. Mm. It's weird because like there's a manga called uh, grappler Barky, which is about some kid named Barky, sure, who who's wants, a grappler, who's a grappler, uh, and he basically wants to be like a good fighter kind of thing. Oh, don't we all? But it's written like this sounds like he went like for the aesthetic side of things. Sure, but, like in a fight, they're doing poses to get like the beautiful look of like a Roman sculpture. Kind which, of to thing. be fair, is one of the key things I like. About oh Jojo my yes, <laughs> but this guy, Grappler Barky, is a lot more like. A dude who himself, like the manga artist, is really into fighting itself. Sure, he's like an MMA guy. <laughs> yeah, so all of the characters who come out of this, if they're meant to be like super strong, they look like these grotesque, super muscular dudes. Like the muscles themselves look real fucked. <laughs> like if I brought up a picture, you'd be like, what the hell is that abomination, basically? Hmm. But it's like the complete opposite, but in the same way where it's like, he wants to get this intended effect of super strong dude, but instead of being like Greek sculpture, beautiful man, it's like, no, no, no. His muscles are just insane. It's like a bunch of potatoes in a sack. Oh no, it's way more like, like you, when you see them, it's like you see the muscle lines. Oh, cool. Because he himself is so into fighting that he knows where all those muscles uh. are. And it's like, he's clear that he has a very deep appreciation for all those like muscle points and stuff like that. <laughs> But it's also fucking disgusting. <laughs> anyway, it's like a nice contrast. Sure. Yeah. The origin of the name Jojo. I took Joe and Joe, and then they were Jojo. We might have talked about this in our early Phantom Blood episodes, but um, it's in the interview. Shock horror, I may have forgotten. Fair enough. I wonder if it's okay to say this. Um, the place <laughs> I used to hold meetings with the editor was at a local family restaurant in my neighbourhood called Jonathan's. We were thinking of making the name Jonathan something. And you know how a name can be like two S's, like Steven Spielberg? I wanted something like that. So I thought if, well, if it's Jonathan, then it'll start with J. So Joestar should be okay. <laughs> Wait, but then there was nothing. What? 
Anyway. But that was really adventurous for a shonen manga because it was taboo for a foreigner to to have a foreigner as a main character. Oh. But it, uh, it was kind of that era. It was a big adventure, so I was really grateful to my editor at the time. That's cool. I didn't yeah. realise that. That is interesting. I guess it's like Shonen Jump is made for, what, teens? Shonen means like young boys. Yeah. So we're looking at probably like... 14 to 16. No, younger than that. I'd 12 say, to 13. I'd probably say like... Um, I don't want to say too young. 8 to 12. 8 to 12? Fuck me. That's I don't know if Shonen eight, Jump... 8 to 14, that. perhaps? Yeah, I guess. You want to identify with them, and I guess it's easier if it's a Japanese... Suppose so. Character. Yeah. Because I know that um, if you're watching, like, a movie, and it's like, oh, the main dude is, like, some Filipino woman. It's like, well, I am... I, I can still relate to her, but I am a white man. <laughs> Very boring. I, I don't punch people, so... I mean, I can't really relate to you, but I'm willing to watch this anyway. It's like the same appeal for Jonathan Joseph. And, you know, from the same perspective of anyone who isn't a white man, <laughs> it's much harder to latch on to. Yes, to white men. <laughs> just, just sneak in that in yeah. there. Okay. All right. I see how it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you just stumbled into a very profound statement there, Nick. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you never really pick up on you it. You can until... only bring your own experience to something. Exactly. <laughs> I can only bring my experience of, you know, being a very boring young man. Nick, you're not very boring. You're a very, very successful podcast. How you going? How you doing? Oh, easy, doesn't <laughs> Regarding the birth of the arch nemesis Dio, he's full of confidence, very arrogant, and he's aiming to become a god or top of the world. Because of this, I use the Italian word Dio that is used to refer to a god, as well as the Dio that plays heavy metal. <laughs> I like heavy metal and rock, so I use those as references to make characters. They're also characters that I created to signify black and white or good and evil. Oh, You know what? What? There is a Dio song called Heaven and Hell that's uh-huh. all about the good and evil and like black and white mm. and all that stuff. So all the parallels. Yeah. So he just made Dio because it was the Italian word for God, but it was also Dio. Yeah, you know, a lot of... There's a, yeah. I'm, I'm doing that motion where I, I cross over my, the... Your fingers. Yeah. Into your nuts. My fingies. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. That's cool. Okay, so then he's got like a, a brief summary for each of the parts to date. Part one, Phantom Blood. What were your initial ideas? Back when I started drawing part one, I liked stories that went over several generations, like East of Eden and the show Roots that they did on TV. Do we know either of these shows? I know Roots. What's Roots of? I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Okay. All right. <laughs> the lead character changes, but it kind of continues. It's something like an American periodical drama or periodical novel. Mm. And I don't think it was very jump-like in style, but I thought that it might be good to go where nobody else had before, just like on Star Trek. <laughs> I knew that one of us would make that reference. I'm glad that it wasn't me, but I'm also not glad. There's also a manga that I really respect called Babel 2 by Yokoyama Mitsuteru, which has fights that follow rules. I also wanted fights that followed rules in Jojo. So the ripple was one of those things. Oh. For a while. For a while. (laughs) Also, you can't see psychic abilities, right? Like if you concentrate your mind and something breaks, you can't really see it. But it's a manga, so I thought I should be able to draw it and try and make it easy for ripples for, for readers to know what kinds of psychic powers they were. Which is how I came up with the ripple. It kind of spread from that, like how ripples slowly spread. No pun intended. Slowly is Jojo in Japanese. Ugh. Wait, slowly is Jojo in Japanese? According to this interview. Really? So it would have been kind of spread from that, like how ripples Jojo spread. Whoa. Adjusting for grammar differences. That, and Man, that is some sick language plays. <laughs> 
When I look at him now, I think Jonathan is too much of a good boy. There's no such thing as too much of a good boy when it comes to Jonathan Joestar. So says I, Liam S. Smith. The goodest of boys. If I was to draw him now, I'd probably show more of the weakness of his heart too. Ah. His naivety. His darkness. Remember how... Remember how Speedwagon pointed out how naive Jonathan Joestar was? Mm. Then it never really came up again. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, his naivety was also what gave him strength. Yeah. His simple purity. To kill his own brother. <laughs> stepbrother. Sorry, to kill his own stepbrother that was also a vampire. At any means necessary. Even his own life. Oh. And even then it didn't really work. Man, he really fucked up on that front, didn't Jonathan he? Jonathan Joestar got a raw deal. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, do you reckon that... Okay, so if part seven's like a spiritual kind of like retelling kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Do you ever wonder if Araki would ever go back in time to like part one and redraw it? Or like re- try and retell it anytime? I don't know. Yeah. N- never really thought about that. Yeah. Of course. Um, like a remaster, but for manga. <laughs> a remanga. It's revisited oh. in, uh, in the story of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Eyes of Heaven, available now in the PlayStation 4 bad fighting game. Sure. I think I've talked about this before on the pod, but uh, one of the truly tragic things about the story in that game is you can do it. They do a lot of time travel and like dimension travel, timeline jumping and things like that. Oh, this is the one where... Because it's a big old, crossover fighting game. Yeah, where old Dio meets up with new Dio yeah, yeah. in order to stop time and then laser beams. But in the in the denouement of that game, one of the things they do is they fix a lot of the tragedies that occur in um, oh. a lot of the parts like Kakuin, they make Kakuin survive and yeah. things like that. But because of the way Phantom Blood ended, none of the rest of it happens if Jonathan doesn't die. <laughs> so he still just has to go die on a boat. Oh, <laughs> such a shame. Yeah. Oh, well, he died for what he loved. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> Part two, battle tendency. Dun, dun. I'm going to put a law and order sound in there. Sure. Do, 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 do. The hell was that? Oh, is that the actual thing? Yeah. Is it? Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> was Joseph's personality affected by part one? No. One more thing that you weren't supposed to do in those days was to let your main character die. That was another forbidden act. Mm. Can you give me a cool sinister echo on forbidden act? Hang on. Can you just say it again? But like really put your gut into it. That was another forbidden Forbidden act. act. Okay, it's done. You got it, son. We had a discussion as to whether that will happen first, and it was eventually decided in a meeting that we'd kill the main character. Because of this, I had to drastically change the story's characters and portray events that I didn't show in part one in part two, and then similarly portray events I didn't show in part two in part three. That was my plan. I had a story devised up until part three, but because the story convention required part two to be different to part one, I created Joseph. He does share some similarities to Jonathan, though, in that he is also a muscle type. A muscle type? A muscle type. He got a lot of muscles. He big muscle boy. Yeah, but wait, how many parts had come out at this point? This was in 2006, so we're in seven. Okay, so when he says he's a muscle type, he's probably just talking more character design. What the hell are the future parts like if he's a muscle type? You know, everyone's slimmed down a bit in part four. Yeah, but like, they're still pretty muscular. Yeah, but they're not Jonathan Joestar. (laughs) Was it always your plan to revive Dio in part three? I really wanted to draw him being dead for a while and then coming back to life. But if I was to do that, I needed something to happen in between. Part two. Yeah. I was yeah in the end. Oh, well. Part two. Yeah. (laughs) You know, part two, Jonathan, jo- uh, Joseph Joestar, Cars, that rigmarole. <laughs> I would love if someone was like, hey, 
Did you realise that that was a bit of a plot hole that Dio came back oh, from the, the coffin, coffin thing? Has that ever been brought up in an interview before? I'm pretty sure that's come up in some interviews. I don't know if it's any we'll do today. Oh. Uh, and then he'd just be like, sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry. Smoke bomb. <laughs> an arachism. You know, I really like the idea of coffins. So I thought, why not just put Dio in one? Then I realised that I'd already put someone else in there. But it didn't matter, because I've heard of multiple people because living in my coffins. manga and I'll make it how I want to. I hope the readers enjoy. Fuck yourselves. <laughs> Smoke bomb. Smoke bomb. How was the process of changing ripples from stands? This is RA part three. You mean ripples to stands? Ripples to stands. I was going to say ripples from stands is like, oh no. Yeah, from ripples to stands. I tried portraying the ripple through pictures, and I tr also tried portraying the psychic ability of stands with pictures too. But how should I say it? I wanted to have punches from here, motions away from body. I had a meeting for it when I was asked, what are you going to do next? You can't use the ripple anymore. But when I said, well, a punch comes out of here, referring to the front of the body, and breaks stuff. They'd be confused and wouldn't understand me. So I was like, how should I say this? Well, there's a thing like a guardian spirit and it comes out and attacks. It's really obvious now, but reading that, it'd just I be mean, like- In this oh. day and age, you just say it's like a video game summon. <laughs> but like, I imagine at the time it was like a, yeah, this hasn't really been done before. It's quite conceptual. Yeah. It's a very weird idea. I suppose you'd say something, in, you know, with, with an English vocabulary, you'd say something like, um, you know- like a representation of your soul leaves your body and fights on your behalf, mm. but it's still you. It's still a person kind of thing. Like you're still personally involved in it. Yeah. Were there any um, like old school Japanese myths or anything that involve like a being coming out from your body and fighting for you? Well, he's talking about guardian spirits here and oh. I'm, no, I'm no expert in like Shintoism. <laughs> But that's got elements of like spirits imbued in objects yeah. and stuff. I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Comes out and attacks. That's how I explained what the new ability would be, and nobody would understand what I was on about. I told them that I think I could create a lot of characters this way. I could make like a green coloured punch, or a sharp thing spawn and make them fight. <laughs> okay. Unlike the ripple, I can do a lot of variations. That's how I started with stands. Though I originally thought that people who read it at first wouldn't know what was going on. Stands gave me a lot of trouble when it came to explaining them. But I really felt that I could keep inventing new characters and ideas this way forever. It was like I dug up a gold mine. No one else thought it was gold, but I was like, wow, look what I dug up. Shit. That's a good metaphor. <laughs> no one else thought it was gold, but I knew it was gold. <laughs> Part four. Diamond is unbreakable. Oh, here we go. Sketchy territory for me. Here we go. Now I have given this a quick skim. Okay. And redacted as necessary. Okay. What were your ideas from part four and onwards? Part three was a story that had the shape of a role-playing game. It's like a board game where you go here and there. There's a book called Around the World in 80 Days. Nick's giving me some looks right now. What? what? How are these related? It's like the shape of a role-playing game. You travel and get into new adventures. <laughs> okay, alright. There's a book called Around the World in 80 Days, which I made part three story with that as an influence. If that's the case, then enemies have to be types that come and attack Jotaro themselves. Though they might be waiting for them too. So then I was thinking of ideas. I thought of people that were willing to wait in their positions for a long time. Like people that live in houses and attack when customers arrive. <laughs> people with personalities like trapdoor spiders. <laughs> These metaphors are just, or similes rather, yeah. are just beautiful. You're getting your fill of arachisms? Oh, am I ever. 
I had a lot of these ideas left over, and I thought I could probably use all of them within a single town. <laughs> just the idea of like, you know, I had a lot of ideas left over. I just throw them in a town. Just chuck them in a town. It'll be fine. <laughs> there were various incidents back then, such as a serial killing incident that sent huge shockwaves across Japan. Mm. The feeling of your neighbour possibly being a serial killer was a perfect atmosphere. I think we see that, this is me speaking, Liam, mm-hmm. not only with um, Kira, who we know is just like this innocuous, yeah, the seemingly guy. innocuous man who's a serial deep killer, dark serial killer. Yeah. but also remember when um, Angelo, aka Angelo, was marauding around yeah. and he disguised himself as the milkman? Yeah. That's very much like, uh, what if the milkman, you know, this guy you see every yeah. day was a- Was a serial murderer. Yeah. yeah. The feeling of your neighbour possibly being a serial killer was the perfect atmosphere. So I used that idea when positioning sta- lots of stand users across the town. That's basically how part four was born. And you can see how it's different from part three. Making part three different to part two and making four different to part th- three is the way Jojo was made. The new stories are different from the last story. I mean, it is a fact. Yes, I will give him that. But at the same time, bro. <laughs> Up until part three, the setting was an imaginary mythical kind of world. But for part four, I drew an everyday world, so I felt more closeness to Josuke, mm. which is why I like him the most. Oh, well, well, well. I found it really fun to write. It was like he became a friend of sorts. Jotaro, however, is someone that you admire, like a hero from, from a mythical tale. But Josuke seems more like a friend or a senior. Would we call Jotaro someone that you would admire? A man who can take 10 cigarettes. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's quite a talent. I mean, it is, but... He's a serious academic. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But even so, it, when, when he says it's like a mythical kind of environment, it does make sense. He's sort of larger than life in a way that Josuke isn't quite... Yeah, Josuke is very grounded in his He's high school. very much like a girl next door type. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that hair that makes you go, Oh, mm. I know that guy with hair. Josuke is supposed to be the child of a lover, but... Oh! Yes, he is. If I could write more of part four, I'd like to explore that more specifically. You would probably develop some complicated ways of thinking if you were a child of a lover. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like mistress might be a more appropriate translation there. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess mistress. But mm. at the same time, it's still just like, you're the child of a lover that has just left. You have a father. You're not the child of a father. Sure. You're not the child of a daddy. <laughs> and Josuke was also meeting his dad for the first time in a while. So I'd like to write more depth about that. If I had the opportunity to write that, I would really like to. Part four isn't really finished yet. If I decided to continue it, I could as much as I want. Not really finished yet. (laughs) Okay. What are your thoughts regarding time? Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. Strap yourself in. (laughs) Here's some Arachism 9000. I really like the forward motion of time. So I thought, what if I could do that? (laughs) (laughs) I I think I redacted the, um... The questions regarding five and six here. That's why there seems to be quite an abrupt right, jump okay. in subject. All right, cool. It's mysterious, isn't it? If you think <laughs> about time. It's not mysterious. It just moves forward. It's time. You, oh, it's time. It's time. You wear a watch, Liam. Like how? Anyway. If you think about time, no. it feels mysterious and possibly the ultimate power if you could control it. Yes. What? My thought process involved coming up with this ultimate power and thinking up how on earth you'd defeat it. Even while writing Jojo, I, I myself often thought, oh, they're going to lose this one. They can't possibly win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe when he did that, he should have gone, 
Oh, better backpedal a bit. <laughs> but thinking about how it will be done is how I go about making this. So even now, I still think about the questions from part one. Who is the strongest person in the world? I find that there's a great deal of romance there. Uh, okay. All right. Yep. Sure. Asked and answered. That's sure. thinks about time. There you go. A great deal of romance indeed. This one just goes on for a while. Well, well come on. Get, <laughs> get to it, son. We're burning daylight here. <laughs> Um, these are some questions about Araki, or okay. a, a question about Araki at least. Wait, 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 what do you mean? Uh, like about him himself rather than about Jojo specifically. Oh, okay, okay. About drawing old characters. I really find it hard being asked to draw previous characters. I wonder why that is. I just get really tired. <laughs> Maybe it's because you've drawn them so much that you're just like, uh, not again. First, I have to try and draw the essence of my older style, and then I have to fuse it with my current style which made drawing the cover of this game really tiring. Though I did end up drawing it anyways after telling them that I can't draw older characters. <laughs> Second, artwork always changes. For example, I said before that muscular characters were really popular in the 80s, but that wasn't really the case anymore in the 90s. Mm. I think it's strange to keep drawing muscular people if that's the case. So when I started on a new chapter back then, I made part five protagonist quite thin to be like a normal person. From around the time of Josuke, I decided to change from a mythical kind of person to a more ordinary size. I just love that it went. Part five. I made him thin. Like a normal person. <laughs> Unlike all of my previous iterations <laughs> of human characters before. From around the time of Josuke, I decided to change from a more mythical style to a more ordinary size. I guess. That's the kind of way that artwork changes. Well, that's what I think. Also, I don't know about my art getting better. You could say that I was bad at the beginning, though. I don't really try to keep it like my older styles. They're pictures that I've drawn in a classical kind of method, so I don't really mind if it changes. Interesting. Classical method. I wonder what he means. I don't know. Neither of us are artists. <laughs> the next question is about the game's cover, but I just want to skip that to get to more interesting stuff. Okay. All right. About the poses. Yes. Here we go. The poses are influenced from Italian sculptures. Never saw that coming. <laughs> I really like the way the bodies are twisted and it makes me want to turn them into a drawing. Also, you might not understand unless you're a person that draws, but the pelvis moves up and down and that's what I find fun. What? <laughs> the pelvis moves up and down and that's what I find fun. What does he mean? What, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a double entendre, doesn't it? <laughs> the penis moves... Pelvis. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Anyway, the pelvis moves up and down. And that's what he finds that's fun. He finds that's fun. all he finds fun. That's, that's it. It's just like doing this. And stuff like if you move your wrist, then you move up here. Hand gestures. It's fun to draw while you theorize about that. Well, for example, I'll show you here. If you put your weight down on your right leg like this, your left shoulder drops and stuff. Mm -hmm. Or if you raise this hip, you go like this. It all moves oppositely. If you raise one hip, then a shoulder goes down. If you concentrate on it, you'll notice it. I found that about the human body very interesting, and I really find it fun putting that into a drawing. Yeah, Neat. Yeah, very cool. Also, it's not related, but I actually enjoy drawing skin getting peeled. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just one day he just got home and went, man, poses are cool. Looks back at like his drawings of people and went, what if their skin was getting <laughs> if, peeled off? What if I could just make it so that how they look now was ever so slightly... Maybe like one layer difference. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun when drawing Koichi turning into a book. <laughs> Not because it's grotesque, but I think it's because I have to theorise what it might be like. It's strange. 
Also, things like what would happen if you bent a finger this way. You can make it possible by drawing. I think those are the kind of things I like, though I like drawing the poses too. I mean, everyone likes the poses, Araki. Everyone likes We the all poses. like the poses, Araki. <laughs> I just love that his idea of where the poses come from. It's like, well, if you put your weight on one leg... The rest of it moves down. It's all weight and counterweight. You know, the pelvis. Like an elevator. You know, the pelvis moves up and down. Up and down. And that's what I find fun. <laughs> About the unique sound words. Oh, know, like the, the- Ominous. Katakana stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Magician's Red going, suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. They're influenced from horror movies and rock music. In progressive rock and horror music, they use synthesizers and an instrument called a mellotron. And sometimes I really want the tinkly kind of sound it produces for some scenes. Also stuff like tween and kyun kyun kyun. <laughs> you know. I think I know which ones those are. <laughs> you know how they often have noises like that in horror movies? I get the feeling of wanting those in my work. So I just write them out using letters and they naturally become the sound words I use. I'm not really conscious of it. He's not really conscious of it. <laughs> How can he not be? Oh, just okay. feels right, you know? Yeah, he just writes down the word and goes, that'll do. <laughs> Is the model of Kashibe Rohan yourself? <gasps> Everyone I meet for the first time thinks that I'll be like Rohan. So it's a bit of a nuisance. <laughs> I once thought about just acting like that character. I think this might be a bit of an awkward translation. Okay. I once thought about just acting like that character. But that is something I aspire instead. And I'm sorry if I break anyone's dreams. But I'm not really like that. Aww. Everyone comes into my house a little bit frightened. Sorry, but I'll use this to change my image now. Oh, uh, that's a bit of a shame because I just wanted to meet him and him bit of be like, Oh, hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I just want to draw my manga now, thank you. Get out of my house unless you got good stories for me. <laughs> hey, let me open up your face. Let me move your pelvis up and down. <laughs> that's what I find fun. Do you reckon a rifle would like walk up to someone and be like, Excuse me, you, you seem like a great person. And just like move your shoulders so that your pelvis moves oh, up yes, and down. Yes, I see. Do you lick spiders like Rohan? What? Okay. Whoever's doing this interview is going very deep. Well, I do sometimes try eating some unusual things. If they tell me that it's edible cooking, then I'll eat it. But laughs. Oh, that's a dangerous precedent to set there, Araki. And <laughs> <laughs> there's just a couple of questions left in this interview. Okay. Uh, concerning the themes embedded in Araki's work. Okay. So this isn't just JoJo's. This is like. Other works as I'd well? say it's mostly Jojo-focused, but, okay. you know, there may be some other stuff in there. Here we go. The theme of Jojo that continues for 20 years. To not negate human beings. What I mean by this is that it's to have pos positive thinking characters that don't stress about things going wrong. They're not allowed to stress. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're about to die. No like, stress. Like Josuke crashing his motorbike and being like, this is fine. This is absolutely fine. Don't you worry As about it. As his house is on fire and he's drinking his coffee. Well, I better go then. <laughs> See ya. No, you know, this is fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is this why Rohan gets really angry and we're not meant to like him as much? <laughs> but secretly, deep down, we're like, Rohan is all of us. They believe strongly in what they do. Even if it's a bad guy doing bad things, those actions are very important to him and he'll use that to move one step forward. Mm. Then in response, the hero comes to defeat that. That's pretty standard. I mean, yeah, that's pretty standard, isn't it? Heroes, I think, are usually inherently more reactive than villains. Uh, it depends on the villain. I suppose it depends on the scenario too. Yeah. But like in a comic book, you know, Spider-Man's not going to be out Spider-Manning unless someone's causing trouble. That's true. That's true. But, you know, you got things like Iron Man. He's all like, I'm going to make an army of good guys to go fight bad guys. Oh, no, it went wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> but he's not going to create that army unless there are bad guys to be fought. That's true. That's true. When they both step out forwards, they'll then conflict. 
Yep. That's what I find interesting. The the conflicting? Yeah, conflict. Conflict is interesting. Yeah, what do you know? Story I don't think it's interesting as a shonen manga if the hero feels some sort of empathy for the villain. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. It's just interesting. And because Jonathan had nothing but empathy for Dio, I'd say. Yeah, no. Being was... the saint that he was. Well, hang on. Maybe he didn't feel empathy. Maybe he just felt sympathy. He had love for him. Yeah. Despite his many, many flaws. Because he was like, we've grown up together. Hmm. He also hated him as much as it pained him to admit it. Yeah, that's true. He hated what he'd become. And also kind of what he was from the start yeah, too. Yeah, the dog kicker that he was. For example, with the character Yoshikage Kira, he's a serial killer, but I think that he had his own proper reasons for doing so, such as the poor environment of his childhood, mm. his relationship with his mother, mm. and his father always ignoring him. Mm. But if I write that, you'll start to feel sorry for Kira, and so despite being such a horrible villain, when Josuke fights him, I think you'll feel kind of sorry for him. But then Kira says that he's fine being that way and moves one step up. That's what I like. That's the reason why I really like Kira. You have the smuggest look on your face. Why? Because you're just like, he likes Kira. I like Kira. I don't like Kira. Oh, never mind then. I mean, I like him as a villain. Well, there you go. I think he's reprehensible. <laughs> yeah. Although he may have had a bad childhood and hooded and turned into a serial killer, I always hope that he tries his best at being one. Wait, he tries his best at being a serial killer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ooh. if you're going to do something, do, do it, it right. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't really say that out loud too much, though. (laughs) I'm secretly a fan of his. So living with a positive outlook like that is the theme of Jojo. It's a celebration of humanity. To make humans positive. There may be conflicts because of that. But that sort of thing is a theme. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we enjoy it so much. Because it's like, a lot of life is very downtrodden. Downtrodden? Sure. Yeah. Capitalism. Yeah. Meritocracy and shit. It's not really a meritocracy. And you're like, oh, life is unfair and shit. But then this is like, you know what? Positivity. Mm. Picking goals and doing your best at them. This is fine. Will that remain to be the theme? Yes, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I said this before, but I think that if the villain's weak, it'll definitely be a boring story. They may be that way in real life, but it's better if it's not in a manga like this. Yes. So I don't think it'll change. (sighs) Following that was a bit weird. It's an awful lot of words to just say, yes, probably. (laughs) A final message to the fans. (gasps) Hierarchy. I'm just... Hey, Rocky. How's it going? Hug me. You want to come lick spiders? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're edible. (laughs) Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood is a piece that I created 20 years ago and it really feels nostalgic. Good. I'm really thankful that it has been adapted like this after 20 years. Good. How must he have been feeling six or so years after this when the anime was made, I wonder? Mm, I wonder. I find it more special than a recent and currently serialised one being adapted because it makes me think that it's really been appreciated for 20 years. Mm. So I would really like to express my gratitude and say thank you very much. I hope you really enjoy it. I've properly checked the game myself and I've given it my guarantee. (laughs) Hey, question. Was the game good? No. I see. I haven't played it, but I've heard it's very bad. (laughs) So we don't know if we can really trust it. <laughs> oh man, you have so many words on this little sheet. Okay, so I want to try to get through two more today if we can. Okay. This next one's an interview with Shoko Nakagawa. Who's Shoko Nakagawa? She is a uh, Japanese idol who is apparently quite a big fan of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Ah, cool. I believe I've actually watched this one on YouTube with subtitles before, but it may be a different one. Okay. Is she um, like in a band or something? I, or don't, just... I, I don't really know how... <laughs> I'm, I'm just how gonna, the idols work. You I'm know? just gonna look her up. But um, if I'm if I'm thinking of the right person, she frequently pulls like JoJo poses at events. Oh. And um, if I'm also thinking of the right person, I believe she like broke her pelvis doing a JoJo pose or something once. Well, you know, the pelvis goes up and down, yeah, and it's fun. 
She is a Japanese Taranto actress, voice actress, illustrator, and singer, also known by her nickname, Shokotan. She's best known as the presenter of Pokemon Sunday. Yeah, that's the person. She was in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Weren't we all? She is an idol. So she goes into Araki's studio, has this conversation with him. So the prompt, so, okay, this one's a sort of a conversation format with prompts. Okay. First prompt, if you could choose a stand power, whose stand would you choose and what would you want to do with it? Do you want to do the uh, Arakis and I'll do the Shokos? Why do I have to do the Arakis? Okay, you can do the Shokos. Yeah, I'll do the Shokos, yeah. Well, which one do you want to choose, Shokotan? Can I call you Shokotan? Of course. <laughs> I've just thought, <laughs> she's not at all going to sound like that. Hello, he, mate. <laughs> he calls me Shokotan. I'm so glad. <laughs> My dream is to marry Jotaro-sama and have a child with him. This got off <laughs> to a very fucking real It's gone start. very misery, very quickly. Wow. He'd probably say to me, yare yare daze, and spit on me. That's my dream. Sorry, the question was about stands, wasn't it? <laughs> so, Star Platinum? I want to receive Aura Aura from him. Laugh. Hmm. I think I would choose Rohan Kashibe's stand. I want to know what people are thinking by opening their minds. <laughs> Shoko. Shoko, please. Get some chill. <laughs> Just look. I understand maybe you want like Jotaro to spit on you, but man. Like, Jeez Louise. Yeah. You work with various people, so that would be useful. Yes. I want to discover the unknown sides to them. It's scary though. It seems like you are already able to use that stand, I guess. Well, yeah. And your choice is Star Platinum, right? I want to be beaten up by him. Jesus. <laughs> I hope your dream will come true. Ha ha ha. I'm a completely bizarre person. Oh man, Japan, Japanese media is weird. <laughs> what sort of, what type of woman does Jotaro-sama like? Araki. Type of woman? Uh, I don't think he is interested in women that much. Shoko. I think he would say yare yare daze to a girl like me, right? He definitely would. That is his charm. He would also say you are annoying. Laugh. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> What is wrong with these interviews? Okay. Um, um, that's what I want. I want to have a child with him. How can I make him love me? He might say that you're annoying, but he'd still love you, I think. I like it. It's Sundare. Does he prefer a girl who's neatly dressed or one with a short skirt? Ah, uh, he is more of a straightforward guy. He will enjoy the time with you, though he might say that you're annoying. Really? Then I will do my best! I think I should go to a disco. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> How is that related? Is Jotaro's school cap a part of his head? What? Ar Araki. Yes, it's true. <gasps> is it? Why is the cap a part of his head? Well, because he never takes off his cap. The cap is part of his body. Right. When drawing Jotaro, I felt it would be okay to combine him and his hair since he never takes it off. That's a unique idea. Indeed. <laughs> By doing so, Jotaro looks more elegant. What? Hold up a fucking minute. <laughs> That's the one word I would use to describe Jotaro Kujo. <laughs> but like, just having the hat on him would make him look more elegant, mm. even though it is a cylinder and a little brim. I want readers to recognise him from the back, not just his forefront. So he isn't actually wearing a cap. The cap is completely part of his body. That is right. Only Araki-sensei could come up with such an idea. It's me who wants to use Rohan's stand to see inside of Araki-sensei's imagination. I guess Shokotan and I have that in common. <laughs> Wait, is that you or Araki? Me, Liam. 
There is a rumor that one scene in the 20th volume of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure predicted the 9-11 attack in New York 11 years before it actually happened. Did Boingo really predict 9-11? Araki. Yeah, that really surprised me. I don't know why I drew such a scene. You clearly wrote the word 911 and the laughing plane. I don't even know why the plane is laughing. You didn't intentionally draw the scene? Well, I don't know. I don't remember. I drew that scene as part of the story, but I don't know what it means. I learned about it recently, but I think it's just a coincidence. Your stand can predict the future. Your stand predicts the future and keeps your keeps your yourself young. Laugh. How can one defeat Star Platinum, the world, the most powerful stand ever? Araki. Uh, Jotaro can only be defeated by Jotaro himself. Or by the child of Jotaro and Shokotan. You allow me to have his child? So Jotaro, Samara and I have a child and he won't be invincible? Correct. That's a great idea! <laughs> Actually, it's impossible to defeat his stand at the moment. And to have a child with a functional <laughs> character. Anyway. Yeah. Star Platinum can halt the flow of time. So to defeat him, you need to let time flow again. So you would need to possess a power to control time itself. This is stupid. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> This is amazing. This is incredible. This is what I live for. <laughs> what do you keep in mind when drawing pictures in colour? Araki. Well, the combination of colours is important. Like what colour should be placed where? <laughs> it's like just going down to the very bottom element. It's like, what do you think about when you're drawing in colour? Oh, where they should be put. More or less, that's it. Primary colours. <laughs> complementary colours. Shoko. What is your favourite colour? My favourite colour? Green. Or moss green with some white. The mix of dark moss green and white is my favourite. But the colour you actually draw with and the colour that is printed are somewhat different, right? Yeah, you're right. So the important thing is not only the colour itself, but its adjacent colours. When you were a child, what were you drawing? I was drawing things like Hagakata Mitsuru, a character from Kyojin no Hoshi. I'm a big fan of Iki Kaj... Kaj God, we're really hitting the Japanese names today. Iki Kajiwara. I was really curious about how Joe Yabuki's hair looked, like when we see him from the forefront, right and left side. Ordinary kids draw Joe only from the right or left sides, but you are not a normal kid. Laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that even he's willing to admit, yeah, I wasn't normal as a kid. Don't worry. <laughs> what type of woman does Araki-sensei like? Araki. Uh, this question is hard to answer. Your wife may be watching this show. I like a woman like my wife. A good answer. What do you like about your wife? As soon as you meet her, you will see that she loves gags. She will often say gags like Shokatan's Giza thing. Translators note, Giza means super. She uses Giza? When I say to her, Giza Ahayasu, super good morning, she told me I was doing it wrong. Ha! Your wife corrected your usage. And that's the end of that. <laughs> that felt so, like, business-like. Yeah, super weird. So I just have one more I want to hit today, considering how long we've run. Yep. This is an interview with um, Chami Araki, Hirohika Araki's wife. <gasps> oh, shit. This is the one that likes gags. And again, it's as, it's not so much direct quotations as it is someone recapping going to this thing. Is this like the university thing? Um, it is actually a university thing, okay. but not the one I was talking about there. Oh, okay. So there's some context at the top. On November 21st, Tokyo University's 60th Kamaba Festival was Araki-sensei's wife. We went to see Mrs. Chami Araki's public talk, Jojo and Chami Araki's Bizarre Life. <laughs> Chami? Chami? Ch Chami? Chami? Ch I don't know. Chami. <laughs> ah, Chami Araki. <laughs> <laughs> With only 300 tickets being distributed. That's not a lot. No. The ticket sales began at 10am and were immediately sold out. With 200 fans creating a line... 
<laughs> wow. 200 fans created a line that extended all the way to the entrance of the emergency stairway. The Mangaka's wife lecture seemed to be the climax of the festival. At 1.30pm, all seats were completely filled and spectators began to line up around the outer conference of the oh, circumference of the venue. What? The, what? How big is Nonga over in Japan? Jesus. Pretty big. Shit, okay. This report was done with the permission of Mrs. Araki. This was done through my notes and recollection of the event. There may be some parts with errors. If it's clear there was a mistake or there are other questions, please submit a form or email me about the issue. <laughs> so I might just cherry pick the best bits of this because it's, it's of reasonable length. Okay, but I've just seen Miss Charmy did not get an invitation from the Tokyo University Jojo Research Society. I think that's a joke. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's a joke. Do you think the Speedwagon Foundation has a Jojo Research Society? I mean, it has to, right? <laughs> like, they wanted to know what the stands were at some point. <laughs> Where is Araki right now? We were told Araki was 100% not at the meeting hall. He couldn't come, but yesterday he went to a Shinto shrine to pray for his wife and he joked, I'll scatter flyers around the university. Oh, that's a loving wife who's willing to market for a manga artist. <laughs> now, as for where he was now, Mrs. Chami said, probably on a walk. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't come. <laughs> Beginning of romance with Araki. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. About 20 years ago, when Mrs. Chami was attending a friend's marriage interview, sitting across from her was a man, Araki-sensei. After that moment, Mrs. Chami said she immediately clicked with him. However, it seemed like Araki wasn't thinking about love at all. In that moment, she got Araki-sensei's number and their friendship began. Three months later, they were married. Certainly, the marriage had a speed rating of A. <laughs> Araki's first date. <laughs> is, is it just going to be written in the way that Araki writes. He's like, you know, I really liked dates. So I took my wife on one for the first one. <laughs> and what do you know? It went pretty well. I'm still married, so it must have worked. Araki would frequently go to a gym pool. A he what? Would, you know, like a gym. A gym. Yeah. A pool. Oh, like a, a massive pool. Hi, like I'm a, gym pool. <laughs> like, a, like an indoor pool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. He was carrying his swimsuit to the pool when he got asked out by telephone. When she arrived, with a Mona Lisa smile, Araki said, I'll be swimming back and forth in the 25 metre line a few times, so just play around here. And he left her alone. She was looking at the training schedule in silence while Araki continued to swim. When he gave her a sidelong glance, she appeared to be doing the flatter kick by herself. It sounds like a manga, but it's a true story. <laughs> so their first date was, hey... I'm just going to go swimming over <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, you do something else. You, you, whatever, man. <laughs> Ara you do you. Araki's Ding Dong Dash. You're going to need to give me some fucking context. Are you familiar with the, the phenomenon of the Ding Dong Dash? As in, like, you go up to a door, you, you press the button, and then you run away? Exactly. Okay, sure. About 10 years into their marriage, Mrs. Shami tells us, I felt like I was living with a first-year middle schooler. <laughs> this childish, simple-minded troublemaker. How many ding-dong dashes he was doing. The respectable adult. The popular jump writer. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. How old would he have been at this point? Like... I don't know, 20s, 30s? <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> and just run up. What the... <laughs> Ten years into their marriage. But the people in the neighbourhood loved Araki. And the older people would call out to him as if he was a boy. Strange folk. <laughs> Where does he live? Like what? Japan. <laughs> Jesus, okay. Araki's fear of strangers. <laughs> 
<laughs> just the ding dong dashing mixed with a fear of strangers. <laughs> yeah. Is this? Is did, he? Did he genuinely go up to the door to get an answer, but then he was like, "No, no, bye." So people often conjecture that maybe he's an immortal vampire. But allow me to propose a different theory. <laughs> okay. What if he's a Benjamin Button? <laughs> He just sits there going, oh no, I'm getting younger. He's got a child's mind. <laughs> Back then, Araki was extremely shy. For example, when Mrs. Shami's friend came over, he opened the door just halfway. When he looked out, he said, ah, a stranger, and immediately closed the door without even coming out. <laughs> this sounds like something I would do. But at the 2003 Paris exhibition, Jojo in Paris, when he was thinking that no one from Japan would come, the successive chiefs of Shoisha arrived. I think that's a TV station? Uh, or me- like or con- media conglomerate? Sure. Since then, his shyness has begun to be cured. Nowadays, he'll invite about 20 mangaka over for a party. Incidentally, when Mrs. Shami sees the mangaka arrive to the party, time and time again she thinks, mangaka are a little weird, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, given the ding-dong dashes yep. and everyone loves Araki, even ah, though- a stranger. <laughs> just the image I have in my head at this point is just this man who lives in his house with his wife, who's just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> just opens the door even slightly and sees a bee and he's like, death. <laughs> in Araki's house, Mrs. Shami tells us that she's friends with his assistant. She loves candy and sweet foods. I remember the type well. I would ask things like, what happened to X chocolate? And talk about things like women's fashion. Interrupting. He would imitate us, and when he wanted to say something like, be quiet, he would say, your antenna is too wide, to be more polite. I don't understand. I, nope, neither do I. There's no, sorry, too, too obscure for me. <laughs> you need a bigger antenna, Liam. <laughs> Araki's height. Has he gotten taller? Has he, Liam? At this year's first ultra jump party, Araki met with... High school exclamation point Kim and Gumi. Which I'm going to assume is a manga. Sure. Shinzawa Sensei for the first time in 20 years. For some reason, he asked, Araki Sensei, your height, have you gotten taller? Araki was petrified for about 10 seconds and then said, no, it's unacceptable. (laughs) Araki, have you aged? No, it's unacceptable. I will not live this life if I age. (laughs) Are we sure he's not an immortal vampire? Or a Benjamin Button. (laughs) Or a Benjamin Button. Araki and music. This promises to be enlightening. According to Mr. Shami, music is super important to Araki's writing. For example, when there's a battle scene, rock. When there's a scene with horses running, country music, and so on. He does the job of putting on music that fits the scene. Conversely, when the house is silent, it seems to be very much so. By the way, the music that was played at the entrance of the event was chosen by Araki. The name of the song wasn't revealed. Initially, the Jojo Research Society were preparing to play Perfume's Chocolate Disco. Of course they would. I guess they're a real thing. I I guess. Like a fan club or something. It must be the people who ran this event? I suppose so. Yeah. Araki's workspace. It's a nightmare. (laughs) It's non-Euclidean geometries. (laughs) It's filled with small doors that he can stress relieve by hitting a little tiny doorbell (laughs) and then not opening it. A few years back, Mrs. Shami entered Araki's workspace area to bring some tea. And when she opened the door, Araki exclaimed in a strange voice, Doya! During this, his brush extended out from his manuscripts greatly. Oh, and he was writing as if he was possessed by some spirit. She said she was scared and trembling. So she shut the door and went back to where she was. (laughs) 
All I'm getting from this is that Iraqi is a Cthulhu nightmare. Yeah. The Louvre. The Louvre. Ooh. When the Louvre Art Museum was picked as the theme of Rohan at the Louvre, the family stayed there for two days. The arrangements near the Louvre allowed them to enter on a day where it was normally closed. So they were able to see the Mona Lisa up to a centimetre close. Ooh. And even got the opportunity to touch the Nike of Samothrace. Samothrace? I don't know. Whatever. Art. Nike. Nike. Whatever. I don't know. It's probably Nike. You know, Nike, the Greek god or whatever. Yeah, the shoe guy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Greek god of shoes. Yeah. After Rohan at the Louvre goes on sale in France in January of next year, a fully monochrome version will be published a few times in Ultra Jump magazine. After that, a fully coloured version will be made into kind of blah, blah, blah. Speaking of the Louvre and Mona Lisa, there's a joke going around the internet right now of the classic Mona Lisa painting and a picture of Hijikata Toshizo being compared with a picture of Araki Sensei. Both Araki and Mrs. Shami seem to be aware of it. I'm pretty sure this is with the thing about him not aging throughout the, the centuries. The it's like the Keanu Reeves hasn't aged Yeah, meme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is drawing manga fun? From what Mrs. Shami has seen, it seems as if Araki draws a diary. For example, he'll use the things they talk about in the morning in his manga. And even if she tells him something completely unrelated, he'll ask again, what? What was that? It looks like the characters that resemble their friends appear in the manga. But when that character eventually gets his head blown off with a bat or something, she can't tell them. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> it's like it's like he's running a diary. I'm like, what happens in your life? Please teach us how to learn Ripple. Why are you <laughs> asking her this? Mrs. Shami says, I don't fully understand Ripple. But Araki seems to say, you can't live long unless you lighten your hip joint. There we are again with the hips. The pelvis moves up and down, yeah. Liam. And extends your life. <laughs> That's what I find fun. Also, Araki puts on sunscreen often. Is that it? Is he that... doesn't like the beach, but he enjoys places like mountains, forests, etc. Uh... He lives life avoiding the sun as much as possible. Is he a vampire as we thought? <laughs> So he likes to avoid the sun. He almost acts as though he's... He's a child. A child. So, so he's a vampire Benjamin Button <laughs> werewolf? Yep, yep. So, sure. <laughs> what would he have become if he didn't become a mangaka? Ooh. As for this question, Araki has said he would have become a makeup artist with a specialty in mannequins. An enigma of a man. Yes, an enigma indeed. <laughs> About the Pressure Festival, a line that first appeared in volume 13 of Jojo Part 7. Wait, am I even allowed to know this? That's all the context you're getting. Oh, okay. People had, were wondering where it came from. Araki said, my wife attacked me for it. Pressure Festival, Pressure Festival, she said. Roar of laughter from the crowd. Regarding this line, Mrs. Shami told us the original Pressure Festival appeared to be a pro wrestling move where the wrestler would hurl his body as an attack over and over again. Back then, when Araki was a prankster, he would make her stand at the entrance and take one. What? When someone said she wanted to see, they wanted to see what this looked like, she replied with a single word: "Impossible." <laughs> that sounds almost dark. That's weird. Yeah. An extremely rare video. Araki Hirohiko is cooking class. Oh God! It's just a lot of stewed eyeballs and <laughs> crickets. So here we are cooking this dog. The video was a great surprise. It was a cooking class from Araki Sensei himself. The video was simply Araki cooking by himself. It began with Araki saying, and now I will cook, which drew out a great laughter from the crowd. The menu was black sweet and sour pork with broccoli and shrimp and Japanese scallops with linguine. I'll present the most interesting lines from the notes I took. As for the heat, medium? Then adjust the heat. Cook the pork entirely. It's dangerous raw. Raise it until it gets to a colour that feels tasty. <laughs> Hot. Hot. Smells like garlic. Rub it in oil. He said this twice. 
Egg. <laughs> Love me some egg. It's done. Phew. Does yarn. The food looks like it smelled and tasted delicious. Mrs. Shami told us that in regards to cooking, well, I do it occasionally. And finally, Shami's pose. Shami's pose? Finally, oh. Mrs. Shami decided to introduce surprise guests from the Jojo Posing School. Oh. The well-known Mr. Kajapon, the demon teacher. What? Yeah, you heard me. A year after the Tokyo University Jojo posing class, March 2007, Tokyo University continued to have the Jojo posing lessons. What? Mrs. Shami was the one who decided that Jojo posing would be perfect to bring to the lecture when she saw the advertisement posters for it. The demon teacher's demonic teaching, with a kendo sword in hand, was strict, saying, I'm sorry, but you can't do it, and correcting students if they messed up even once. <laughs> Okay. It makes your joints scream, haha. However, when the demon teacher and Mrs. Shami pulled off W Jojo poses without fail, it caused quite a stir in the venue. At any rate, the demon teacher's presence was incredible. When a pose was done, the crowd immediately broke into applause. The demon teacher and Mrs. Shami revealed their passing conditions, all of which had to be done in a short amount of time. Level 1, Jojo Volume 4 front cover, Jonathan's pose. <laughs> Level 2, Jojo Volume 8 front cover, Joseph's pose. Level three, risotto's pose. That's a character name. Okay, sure. Level four, pointing finger pose and say yare yare daze. <laughs> the crowd all rose up. After about one and a half hours, the presentation reached the end. About five or six friends of Mrs. Shami came out and handed her bouquets of flowers. Aww. At 2.55pm, being sent off by a thunderous applause, Mrs. Shami Araki left the venue. It was demolto fun. Mrs. Shami, program director Mr. Terai, members of the Jojo Research Society, and everyone else from the bottom of my heart, you have my thanks. Good translation notes. Great. I'm more confused about who Araki is more than ever before. Well, I think we've had some interesting insights today. <laughs> yes. About this alien child <laughs> who draws this manga. <laughs> You know how, is he an alien, is he a stand user, is still kind of up in the air with mm -hmm. that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I... Is Iraqi an alien? Is he alright? Is he a human? Is he... Is he doing wrestling moves to his wife on the reg? <laughs> So many questions. I have so many questions. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that brings us to the end of our first interview special. Oh Let God. us know if you liked this, because um, it's quite different from our previous Patreon bonus episodes. I think it was pretty good, but if it's just come across as like, oh, I, I could just read this and get the same out of it, yeah. just let us know and we can reevaluate doing future ones. But I think it went pretty well from where I'm sitting right now. Sure. I have no feelings one way or the other. Well, it would be good if you did, because we're putting a lot of effort into these oh, things. I liked it. <laughs> I just, it's so weird. It's such a weird man. Sorry, he's so weird. It's such a weird man. It's such a weird man. Anyway. Anyway. Thanks for listening, Patreons. See you next month. What's the thing that he says? Egg. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dojan. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs>
half a dozen backup things to hijack the show and talk about instead. You're like, yeah, Nick, shut up for a second. So there's this guy. Let me talk about Star Wars Rebels. Oh. That's literally what I would have done. Oh, God. Because, come on. 